My guest today is my colleague Diane Jacobus, who is Start's Coffs Harbour Youth Community Development Project Worker. Diane has been working in the community services sector for 40 years, during which she worked with young people and people with disabilities. She also managed non-government organisations in the Blue Mountains for over 20 years, and we've been lucky enough to have Diane working with us at Start's for the last nine years. Diane has had a lifelong passion for working with resettled refugees. Her father and his family were Jewish Holocaust survivors, and as a result, Diane grew up surrounded by family living with post-traumatic stress symptoms. Now, she's motivated by being a part of helping young people recover from injustices and settle into peaceful lives in Australia. Good morning, Diane. Welcome to the Hints for Healing podcast. Oh, thanks, Nicole. I'm really glad to be here. It's wonderful having you here, Diane. So what brought you to working for Starts in Coffs Harbour? Well, I moved to the North Coast, the mid-North Coast, about 12 years ago, sort of thinking I was going to go into early retirement. I didn't know that it was a settlement area for refugees, and I have a particular Um, caring about refugee issues and so I got this job which became a full-time job and I'm working harder than ever really and the opportunity to work at starts was too good to pass up really. Wonderful I hope you put those early retirement plans on hold. (laughs) (laughs) So can you tell us a little bit about the cultural landscape in Coffs Harbour and um, the various communities that have settled there in recent years? Well, Coffs Harbour's been a settlement area for over 20 years. Originally, it was people from various African countries settling in Coffs, probably about eight different African countries, plus quite a few different communities from Myanmar. Later, um, people from Afghanistan and more recently, people from Syria and Iraq. Okay, and you work with all those communities, is that right? That's correct. Well, I'm employed as a youth community development worker. So any young person from any of those communities is, you know, welcome and encouraged to participate in any programs and activities that I organise. And one of the really successful programs that you're involved in is the youth group. So could you tell me a bit about its origins and and how it currently runs? Well, I've been doing a a weekly youth group for over nine years, and that came out of Um, an evaluation I did when I started the job, like in the first week, actually, I've been in the job nearly 10 years. And I met with uh, about 25 young people and asked them what they would like, what they were interested in. And they said, basically, look, we're really bored. We're just at school and uh, at home. We've got no other outlets. At that stage, there wasn't as much sporting activities. And so I said to them, you know, well, if you're willing to give it a go and uh, I set up, you know, I get a venue and get some resources. If you make a commitment to come along for three months, uh, let's start there and see how it goes. Because I know with young people, they can say, I want to do such and such, but then they'll turn up. And, um, you know, in, they didn't like it the first go, so they don't come back. Anyway, they did make a commitment. So of those 
25 I first talked to, they're about 15 or 16 that made that commitment. And um, they came every week and then it just grew from there. So there was about 16 to start with. And now it averages each week about 50 to 60 young people. Wow. So there's obviously a lot um, keeping them coming other than that initial commitment they made. So what do you think keeps them coming week after week? Well, I think there's a sense of ownership of the group. It's a very fun and safe place. It's quite fluid. There's no real structure, like you don't have to come along and, um, you know, do any particular activity. So the venue that we have now is very spacious. It's got like a youth hub. It was an old... um, bowling green clubhouse so inside there's various you know games they can play outside we've got tennis courts uh, soccer fields basketball courts we I I get various people in at different times that might give a a talk like last week we had a talk on a, a workshop that's coming up around photography and filming So I like to introduce the young people to other options outside of what I do and and be a bridge um, into other activities and to other organisations. And because it's just for young people from refugee background, I think it's quite a relaxed place as well. So they they don't have to tolerate any uh, racism. There's a level of comfort Uh, that they feel by being there they can have time with their friends they make friends so we've got there's a very good team of adults and various uh, services and organizations who support them it's been a really consistent team uh, for the last five six years like people come and go but so it's very well held it's very safe the families like it the communities like it. it's got a good reputation And, you know, young people come and then they move on, they get casual work, they grow up and it's not for them anymore, but that's the way it should be. Quite a lot of young people come back and they'll come and see me about, you know, helping them with a resume or a reference for a job just to find out a particular issue or resolve something. So it's it's kind of like a launch pad. I I sort of see it as a launch pad for a whole lot of other activities. Yeah, what a wonderful way to think of it. And you also, you mentioned racism and that racism, um, is, it's a safe place from racism there. Is that something that just um, naturally didn't eventuate in the space um, between the groups that attend? Or is that something um, you had to put some effort in or were there things well, you had I've to never, put in place? I've, I've never witnessed racism between the young people who were there. I would say any... Um, incidents or problems or angst that happens between young people is not because of the different races. I would say it's more to do with their lack of regulation um, because of their trauma. And really in pretty well 10 years, we've had very, very few incidents. There's probably only twice that I've had to say to young people, look, you know, we need to take you home. What you did was not okay. We want you to be welcome here, but you can't do that. That behavior is not acceptable. So it's not, I haven't experienced that. They, but all the young people that have come have pretty well experienced racism in the schools, in shopping centers, on the sporting field, on the street. So it is a, a big issue. It's pervasive, even if it's not so much obvious. 
Okay, so yeah, they were experiencing it outside of youth group, and that's part of perhaps what made the youth group um, so safe and appealing to them. Yeah. So I know you're involved in um, other projects, which I'd love to hear a lot more about. Um, could you tell me about um, perhaps All One Under the Sun and, and your rationale for initiating that project together with the other stakeholders? Well, there was some funding became available through Multicultural New South Wales uh, to have a youth youth led a youth focused pro project uh, to address racism. And during COVID, when I couldn't have a youth group due to you know, directives from New South Wales Health. I uh, had a, I had afternoon teas at an outdoor cafe, and I just probably had twenty five young people at a time sitting at small tables. I knew this funding was coming up, and I asked them about their experiences of racism. So I basically kept their stories and their experiences and their observations. And those form part of the submission to Multicultural New South Wales. It, so the, the, the application was very solidly built on young people's actual experiences. And we were very fortunate to be one of 15 um, projects that were accepted for funding. There were 75 applications. And we wanted to make it an arts-based project to address racism because we know that young people really engage well with music and um, creative outlets and we decided to you know bring the best of local artists and filmmakers as uh, mentors and facilitators uh, so it was a very uh, well constructed I would say project uh it still is we've just received another two years of funding congratulations thank you and we also we set up a consortium so starts is the lead agency so starts received the funding but had to all, always be in partnership with other organizations so the other partners are Coffs harbour and district local aboriginal land council blue sky community services Headspace in Coffs Harbour and Coffs Harbour City Council. So it's a very broad range of organisations which gives strength to the credibility, I believe, of the whole project. Certainly, yeah. And just so listeners have a better sense of why there was so much consensus about the young people that racism was um, the issue that they wanted to address through this project, can you speak in general terms about the sort of things that um, the young people were experiencing at school um, and if you can perhaps take some examples from what's already in the public domain from All One Under the Sun um, just to give our listeners a bit of an idea of what they were going through. Well I mean there was a there was a show on TV a few years ago and unfortunately having the title go back to where you come come from was supposed to be ironic but so many people have taken that as um, a message to put out to young people. So that was the major thing that they were telling me that they were told, go back to where you come from, go back to your own country. You're taking our jobs, you're getting the best houses. You know, um, so, so very nasty things that were, were deliberately uh, said. There's also the experiences of 
not being included, not feeling like you belong, um, being ignored. I mean, one girl said, it's not so much what people say to me. She said, I'll be walking down the corridor at school and people, kids will walk towards me and they'll be laughing and chatting to each other. And just as they get to me, they'll just look straight ahead and look really stony faced and walk past. And it gives me a really cold feeling like I'm not wanted because she said that would be very easy to just to sort of do a high five or say, hi, how are you going? Just to be a little bit friendly. And so there were a lot of seemingly small incidents like that um, that were, were told to me. Yeah. Yeah. That's not small at all. Is it? When you think no. of the emotional impact of that no. sort of bullying. So what were the participants hoping to achieve through All One Under the Sun? Well, I think the whole point of the, the project is trying to resolve, um, to address racism. That's a, a very per pervasive part of our society that sort of sits below the surface. And we were very particular about wanting to include First Nations young people. I have to say this project is not, does not just involve young people from refugee background, it's young people uh, First Nations young people, migrant young people, young people who are born in Australia and are not First Nations, because it shouldn't ever be up to the person um, address uh, who's experiencing any form of discrimination to all, to be the ones who have to address it. Mm -hmm. So we're very particular about this being a collaborative project uh, and giving using the arts as a way of telling stories. And one of the, the central art forms is, of course, um, music and, and songwriting. And how did that become such a central component of the project? Well, we're very fortunate to have absolutely fantastic musicians here in Coffs Harbour. And so to start the project off, we wanted to have some light uh, opportunities for engagement because when you're telling young people about well this is you know racism and what we're going to do and it can sound very very abstract it was hard for young people to think well what can I do how do I fit in here so what we did to start with we had two full days at the Coffs Harbour showground where it was like tasters so we had that were a series of workshops and people could choose which workshops they went to. So they could do dance or music, um, songwriting, art. Uh, and, and so, and then we introduced the project and, and told them what it was about and tried to get them to meet some of the artists and facilitators and mentors. Um, we also had a welcome to country uh, with an Aboriginal elder. That was a big part of the day. And that was really important to sort of set the tone because to feel like young people said to me, that was the first time since I've been here, I really felt that this is my land too. And so that was an important part. So we had about 60 young people over two, two, two lots of two days with the younger ones on the first day and the older ones on the second day. And then we went into the high schools. We went into four of the public high schools in Coffs Harbour and over um, a full day, um, uh, overall something like 150 young people participated in music workshops. And again, we, we talked about what the project was about, how we uh, wished 
for them to um, engage, how well they'd be supported, what, what we were aiming for. So it was to give them some information um, about that and how they could join. They could join a songwriting group because we wanted to develop a song for the project. Or if they didn't want to be involved in the music part, they could join the Youth Action Collective, um, which was like a, the steering room, I suppose. It was like the committee of young people for the project. Uh, so we wanted to give them some options for engagement. And I have to say, you know, from my perspective and from my, my role, I was able to get a lot of young people from refugee background involved. And in the end, we were very happy in that we had participants in the songwriting group and the Youth Action Collective from seven of the eight local high schools in the Coffs Harbour LGA. We also had some other young people who'd left school and were either in um, TAFE or working, but basically, Probably the age group, I would say, was about 13 to 24. Okay, yeah, quite quite a wide cross-section of young people. Yeah. Yeah, really impressive. And I'm also just so um, touched, I suppose, and, and impressed by um, the results of you um, being so broad in, in encompassing young people from all sorts of backgrounds, including, very importantly, First Nations young people. And um, just the the importance of any project to do with racism in Australia, not addressing um, Australia's treatment of First Nations people is just, um, yeah, it's just so, it's impossible really to address the topic, isn't it? Um, without including our First Nations people and just hearing the impact that a welcome to country had on refugee young people just brings that really to the fore for me. Yes, and I think also that's another aspect is, is educating people. So educating um, young people from refugee background in particular about uh, what's happened to First Nations people in Australia because it's not really part of their curriculum and, and other young people don't know what's happened to people to force them to become refugees because, as we know, nobody chooses to be a refugee. Nobody wants to leave their country of origin and their family and, you know, as well as all the horrific things uh, that happen to them and force them to escape. So it was an educational uh, aspect as well. Certainly, yeah. And you mentioned the, the access you had to such great um, artists and, and musical mentors and cultural mentors. Could you tell me a bit about um, the impact that those mentors had on the young people and the success of the project? Well, I think they played a really important part. And I should also say that Naomi Steinborner is the project coordinator. So I, while I'm the overall manager, it would be impossible for me to be the project coordinator as well. And Naomi is absolutely a superb uh, coordinator. And she had probably more and better contacts within the arts sector than what I had. And we together were able to pinpoint, you know, who we thought were really excellent, not, not just excellent practitioners in what they do, but had very good communication skills and able to relate very well to young people. Because sometimes people can be good in what they do, but they're not exactly um, have the ability to engage and to keep that contact. And so 
we together put our heads together and we, you know, were able to, uh, you know, be very clear about the qualities um, that we wanted in, in uh, mentors and we were able to achieve that. Um, so, you know, particularly having Aboriginal mentors, we had two superb Aboriginal mentors who you see in the, the video clip and the song clip and the um, documentary. We also had the Bath Time Productions who did the film clip. And although they're the, the filmmakers, I was so impressed with their engagement, even the questions that they asked the young people, the way they set it up. They, the young people were so happy with the way they came out because if for anybody, if you're engaged in a project, you might be committed to that particular issue, but you also want to come across as credible yourself. You want to, you know, you want to look good and you want to be a good role model for other people. And I think that was something that we did achieve. And that's um, for everyone to see. Our listeners um, can see the outputs of this project. So could you tell me what tangible outputs came out of this that um, are available online? Well, also, I think the best way that people can look is to go onto the website, which is www.allwhenunderthesun.com.au, and then you'll see the background information, you can see the documentary, you can see the film clip. So what came out of it was the film clip and the documentary, uh, the Youth Action Collective were a group of young people, they designed the logo, they did training in bystander uh, training with Western Sydney University, they've emceed events, they're young people on the Youth Action Collective, we call them ambassadors, and so they have been the link with their respective high schools, and then they have taken the film clip and the documentary and presented it to their schools. So I was actually at a high school a couple of weeks ago at the assembly, and they watched a shortened version of the documentary, actually, it's a 13 minute, not 26, and the film clip, and then the young people uh, had a meeting. It was a human rights committee at this particular high school. They showed the full documentary to other young people who were interested and having a discussion. So it's really bolstered the confidence of those young people to be able to be ambassadors, to be able to emcee at events, to be guest speakers, uh, to feel, and also to feel supported. I think that's something that's come up uh, with young people who've been involved, they've said they've felt really supported by the adults who are involved. Uh, and that's really important because even though we've done those successful things, it hasn't resolved everything. Like um, we've got, we're, we're not under um, an illusion that just by having a documentary and a film clip, it's gonna solve racism. Uh, the other outcomes have been two other offshoots from when we started, and one is called Stand Up, Stand By. That is uh, an a drama ensemble that we set up at one of the high schools, at, and we had the young people, 18 young people in a drama class, um, got training again with um, Western Sydney Uni in bystander training. And those group of young people came up with scenarios of actual uh, racist incidents that they experienced or they observed. And then with a drama teacher who, who we employed, 
they developed uh, responses to those uh, incidents. And so all up, it's, it's like a, a little series of, um, uh, just a series of incidents and the response to that incident to actually address racism. And we've just received more money to take that ensemble down to Sydney and at the end of November and to show it to different high schools in Sydney. So that's been successful. The other one project we've set up is called Change the Story. And that evolved from, um, I guess, problems um, and negative interactions in two of the high schools between First Nations young people and Yazidi young people and the Yazidi young people from Iraq and Syria who were fighting a lot. What we wanted to do was show them that in fact, you have more in common than you have differences. And again, we wanted to do that through music. We had the support of the principals of those schools. And so we set up a hip hop project where the young people um, from both high schools, so in the morning, for example, on a certain day, the um, First Nations young people get together at the music studio and they got a hip hop facilitator, uh, First Nations um, young man, and then a Zazidi woman. And then in the afternoon, it's the Zazidis come together from both those high schools. They do some creative work, like writing their own raps and songs. and. So that started um, two terms ago. Um, it's been going for um, with bumps and a bit of breaks for um, a couple, few months now. And then we had a big day where we brought everyone together. Um, and uh, that was a really successful day where our First Nations people, uh, leaders spoke, Azidi leaders spoke and just talked about young people not being angsty with each other, not fighting, respecting their own culture and respecting each other's culture. And that has been a huge success, although that's only with a small number of young people, probably about 20. We saw this as a pilot project and we felt like if we can make this a success, the idea is to, to expand it out. And we're going to be uh, making film, short film clips of their wraps that's that's coming up in the next term, next term so will that be on the same or one under the sun website or does that have its own online presence no look we'll be putting everything in the one place when it comes okay. up i think that'll be better otherwise it gets um it gets a bit confusing Exactly. No, that'd be great having it all in one spot and just so much easier for um, the outcomes of the project to get more and more yeah. exposure in schools. Yeah, I'm just um, just thinking about all the elements of um, what you guys have done that have made this so success okay. successful. So, you know, I'm struck by, you know, you starting with the interests of young people and what they wanted to address and then using um, their creative interests um, as a springboard as well and then bringing in such relatable and talented uh, mentors that are such good communicators as well and and what else what else do you think what other elements have made this as successful as it's been well I think when you have a very collaborative approach and it's bottom up like it's not adults telling young people what to do or what's good for them I think we're there as a backdrop and a support and, and a steady base and I think when you bring in people who are very creative 
what you do is you bring out the creative talents of young people that they never even thought they had, I think. Um, the young people in the Youth Action Collective are so proud of the logo that they designed, um, which we have on T-shirts. Um, and, you know, when you turn up to an event and, you know, so many people are wearing these T-shirts, a girl said to me, the young woman said to me the other day, like, I feel so proud that I was part of designing that. So I can see the um, elevation in young people's confidence and the increase in their fearlessness, uh, which is just wonderful. And, and I think all one under the sun, it's not an end in itself, like it's a stepping stone to other, um, other opportunities. One young woman is um, got chosen to be on the New South Wales uh, Regional Youth Task Force, which is a New South Wales government body. So she's meeting young people from all over regional New South Wales. She's taken uh, the, the video clip and the documentary. She spread it around the state. She also won a uh, scholarship, summer scholarship to Oxford University. She took it to Oxford and she shared the um, video and the documentary at Oxford with people from all over the world. Um, we're going to, Naomi and I are taking six young people this coming weekend to Katoomba in the Blue Mountains to, we're going to be presenting at the National Regional, we're all Australians for Refugee National Conference this, this week, coming weekend in Katoomba. So it's been a lot of offshoots um, and we're getting interest you know, from other schools about doing presentations and people saying, you know, can we use this video? Can we show this documentary? And we're like, yes, that's exactly mm. what we want. It's a tool. It's not something that we own. Mm. It's all very inspiring, Diane. And I, I mean, you've shared so many elements of what you think has contributed to um, the project success and all the offshoots as well. But um, to wrap up, is there any advice you'd like to give to community workers or perhaps teachers who'd like to run similar projects in their community? I think when you're running a project, well, we call this a campaign. I think what's really important is to collect the personal stories of the people who you want to work with and the issue you want to address. I think you shouldn't make any assumptions. So you do good research first. You listen really well. Just have a few key questions, but you also let the conversations and the stories go where the young people want to go. I mean, you don't make any promises um, that you have very fun, light activities to, um, to initiate um, engagement. So I think not coming on too strong or too heavy, but, but thinking very broadly, being very inclusive um, you know, having, and having a lot of good food, like it's very mm -hmm. important to, to have good food, to make people feel welcome. Um, you know, to make sure you've got the resources to do what you want to do. Like, don't promise, you know, the earth and not be able to deliver. I think you've got to be realistic and try and bring in, you know, young people who may not necessarily be the most assertive or the most confident, because that's the other thing. Like, it's been wonderful to bring in young people who have just blossomed in this project. Um, so, I I think doing that initial research and listening to the stories um, 
and having having active participation. So don't just invite people in and then, you know, it's the adults that set the agenda. Like obviously you have a good structure and you have a good process, but um, creativity comes from the ideas that the people have. And it's like, then how do you put that into action? Like with the songwriting um, group, there was something like 17 young people wrote that song that was supposed to be three minutes long. It ended up being six minutes because the songwriter said, look, you know, it's how do we cut, cut it out? How do we have 18 young people and then say, well, we don't want to use your bit. We'll use yours because then you set up can potentially have friction or a sense of, you know, mine's not as good as yours. That's why we have a six minute song in five languages. Um, now, if we didn't have enough money, we mightn't have been able to do that. So you've got to be, I think Naomi and I work together very well in terms of being very aware of what our um, resources are, what our limitations are, plus what the possibilities are as well. You've summed that up so well and such sage advice and insights there, Diane. Thanks for being so generous and sharing that all with us. And I'm just thrilled that um, the campaign isn't over yet and that there's more to come over the coming years. Oh, thanks, Nicole. Yeah, it is very exciting. That's why I'm not retiring. At Yay! <laughs> <laughs> it's been wonderful having you on the show today, Diane. Thank you so much. Thank you so much.